You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Today's education is going to answer this question, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate, because truly the more we study and the more we progress, we have to ask that question. Folks, I one time, and I'm going to go back 20 years ago, I was in Canada with Dr. A.V. Costantini, one of my heroes who wrote the Fungal Bionic series. Uh, he was a mycologist with the World Health Organization. And he and I were on such a team together. He was telling me, sure, there's a link between cancer and fungus and yada, yada, everything I was... And then I said to him, <clears throat> boy, you're so open-minded. What do you think about vaccines? And he got upset with me. And he said, young man, you have obviously not lived through the polio epidemic. No one would question vaccines if they had lived through the polio epidemic, that which took so many people, lived in lungs at his hospital, iron lungs at his hospital. And on the flight home, I really thought, okay, I probably pushed him too far. He was in his 70s back then. Um, joining me right now is Dr. Roby Mitchell, who brought in a book called Critical Vaccine Studies, Every household must have a copy of this book. Uh, and Dr. John Trowbridge from Houston, Texas. These are both physicians, uh, very, very bright guys. <clears throat> I'm a guy who was hyper-vaccinated before I went to Vietnam. Um, and uh, I seem to be fine today, but it was years of saunas and juices and chlorophyll and so forth that I think uh, made me feel better. So I'd kind of like, uh, you brought in the book, I'd kind of like your overview as a little boy you were vaccinated dr mitchell yeah i had the three <laughs> right know, three both of them <laughs> and then of course you know went went to medical school and it's so interesting the fact that when you ask a physician you know how many hours of vaccinology did you have when you were in medical school, right? I mean, the answer is zero. We had no lectures on vaccines, right? Is that incredible? Then why are you guys so outspoken that we all need them? Okay, you... so and so here's the thing. <laughs> so now, we just kind of take took for granted that the vaccines worked and, and they were safe. Now, in my evolution of going from uh, you know, pro-vaccine, you know, being blissfully ignorant about vaccines to that episode in 2009 where I actually, for the first time, right, so I graduated, I finished medical school in 85. Okay. I never read a vaccine package insert until 2009, that H1N1 right. uh, swine flu epidemic, right? First time I ever read one of those and I saw all of that stuff, you know, and that also it didn't prevent the flu, right? And so from there, I went to Cautious vaccination, right? Well, you know, there's probably some of them, you know, that are still good. Now, you know, I went to China. I told you about me being sent to, to China, right, yes. to, uh, to study um, uh, the um, uh, Chinese traditional medicine. But you didn't I'm, believe in it back then. I didn't believe in yeah. it back then, right, and, and until, you know, a couple of months into that. But I'm one of the very few American doctors still alive that has actually seen polio. I saw polio over there in China, right? So that experience made me kind of like the doctor that you talked about, right, <clears throat> that had seen polio, right? Yep. I mean, this is a devastating disease. So, you know, I would say to people, well, you know, maybe you don't need this flu vaccine, but I think it makes sense to get the polio vaccine because that, I've seen that, right. and that is a devastating disease. Little did I, what I know, right, what I have learned later is that the polio virus does not cause polio. When you pull out the entire word, is poliomyelitis, which means that there is an inflammation, that's what itis means, 
of the myelin sheath, right, of the nerves. That's what causes the paralysis. It's an immune system attack on the nerve cell. It's not the virus. Viruses do not make a toxin, right? The measles virus doesn't make a toxin. The influenza virus doesn't make a toxin. Ebola doesn't make a toxin. Zika doesn't make a toxin. What gives you the symptoms is when those viral particles, right, replicate inside your cells and a million uh, of them come out and your immune system reacts to that, right? So there's no possible way that you can eradicate polio unless you eradicate the immune system. So now, and people will always say, well, you know, well, that, that, that is the big argument. Vaccines eradicated polio. Polio has not been eradicated. Anybody can go on Google and do a search for acute flaccid paralysis. You will see that it is the exact same disease as polio. Nine kids died of it last year. Right, mm, and wow. it's a an itis, a, a, a myelitis, right? The immune system attacking the nerve cell in response to just a different species of enterovirus. Polio is an enterovirus. If polio gets inside of you, you're producing enough hydrochloric acid, it's obliterated. You never know you had it. But Dr. Mitchell, all nine of those were probably vaccinated against polio. You know, all nine of those kids who passed probably had anti-antibodies, you know, to polio yes. uh, in their body. And that was the same thing that I But again, it's locking one door, you got right? It. It's locking one car door. So you give the vaccine against the po one enterovirus, right? Well, there's this other virus, the D68, right, that you get that you're not vaccinated against. There's a C105 enterovirus that you're not vaccinated against. It's the same thing with the flu vaccine. You get three, but there's 197 other ones that cause the the flu, right, your immune system reacts the same way. So you can't eradicate polio because it's not the virus that causes the, uh, the itis. It's the immune system. So you have to build up the immune system. And I want to talk to you about how to do that. Dr. Trowbridge, a couple of years ago, we had a funny, uh, Kyle Drew came in and did a show with me and he brought in a headline that uh, the flu shot that year was wrong. And then in the text below, it said, but doctors recommend you continue to take your flu shot. And I'm telling you, I almost fell out of my chair. We had to stop <laughs> filming. I didn't believe I was reading that. Yeah. Oh, no, it doesn't work. But don't stop taking it. I mean, that, it, you have just learned <laughs> from a tape that Dr. Mitchell mm -hmm. sent us and others, someone sent mm -hmm. it to me, um, that this year's flu vaccine isn't on the money. As a clinician who's busy and practicing out there in Houston, how do you look at a headline like that? I mean, do you offer the vaccine in your office or doctors no. maybe in your building do? No. Uh, I have patients say, what about it? And I go, yeah. what about it? And they go, well, should I get it? And I go, well, uh, why? Well, because I don't want to get the flu. Well, then let me tell you how to not get the flu. Dr. Mitchell is, is right on point when he says there's all these others. Okay, it's not the, the infection, it's the response. And if you have an aberrated or wrong response, okay, because your immune system is trying its best, you know, your body never makes a mistake. It does, always does the best it can with what it's got. Sure. Then the problem has got to be what it's got, the, the scenario, the setting. If you're sick with parasites, if you're sick with yeast, if you're sick with nutritional deficiencies, if you're sick with toxic metals, if you're sick with toxic chemicals, if you're sick with toxic thoughts, all these things impair your defense system function. So the problem in staying healthy is not to get vaccinations. It's to get your immune system boosted up. 
and that boosts the whole rest of your body. Are you Everything is tied in together. Are you saying we become more vulnerable to these diseases due to gut, right? This isn't, okay. uh, we're all gonna breathe these. Dr. Mitchell said something fascinating on a TV show of mine. These viruses have been around for Ever, millions, forever, you know, right. and, and we're breathing them and we're eating them and, and so forth. Why all of a sudden do we have a Zika that's pathogenic that's causing all these problems and other viruses? I'm telling you, fear techniques work in medicine. Oh, yes. They oh, work yes. brilliantly. brilliantly. Medicine yes. is organized. Now, all of you now say, you've got to get this shot or you're not going to, you know. So is it that we're not more, we're more vulnerable to getting sick from these diseases if we eat the standard American diet, live a high-stress life? We've become defective. We've we become, become pathological. We've become defective. Okay? And here's That's one reason why. So part of it is the diet, right? But a part of it is this, right? So pertussis vaccine, and I'm reading now yeah, from, from this the book, book, Critical Vaccine Studies. Uh, pertussis vaccine caused new vaccine-resistant strains of pertussis to emerge and increase cases of disease. Everybody has heard about antibiotic-resistant bacteria, right? And those happen, right, the same way as what happened with Jurassic Park. You know, you remember the famous line, you know, That's right. life will find a way, <laughs> right. right? Well, when you expose all those bacteria, right, to these antibiotics over and over and over, they develop a way to spit those antibiotics out and they become resistant to them. <clears throat> these vaccines allow the same thing to happen. So that now these vaccines like pertussis, they, are, they cause the emergence of new strains, right? That the vaccine does not prevent. And so that's why we see now an increase in the whooping cough, again, in these kids that are vaccinated, again, because we've only locked one car door, right? Yep. You protect against that one strain, but these other strains now, I mean, they, or having a field day. And what I just saw in the news a short time ago is adults, have you been revaccinated to oh, yes. cough? They're, yes. They're what right. in the definitely. world is going on? When I was in medical school, our chief of medicine had developed the oral replacement solution for cholera because there's not enough IVs in the world and people die if they get dehydrated, okay? And he rounded every day on every admission through the emergency room, okay? If you had put a patient on antibiotics before you had them fully cultured up, and cooking. Wow. They had to have fever, okay? Yep. Yep. Or you had to have a reason why they couldn't because of their white cell count or something. If you'd put them on antibiotics, I'll tell you, you got dressed down in front of everybody. You've got to be kidding me. Because what he wanted you to do was let the bad, good bugs take over rather than the bad, bad bugs. That's okay? diametric to today. And we, and today, we, everybody goes on oh, antibiotics. Oh, yeah, but when you, get, when you get the pneumococcal bacteria to overgrow, that's easy to kill. But when you kill them off, they don't control the other guy. Other guys are the killer bugs. Those are the ones that have become resistant. They overgrow because the pneumococcal ones didn't edge them out. Let them edge them out. Get them good and sick with the good stuff. Every year I'm reading, kill. every year I'm reading, uh, it, these are medical journals. I'm reading that we're prescribing far too many antibiotics. Absolutely. And then the big yawn. <sighs> yeah. Next year, and, we're and, prescribing far too and many And that was a major thesis in my book, mm -hmm. The Yeast Syndrome is that not only are we giving it to people, we're giving it to all the animals. Right. And then we eat the animals and get their resistant well, organisms. Well, 70% of the antibiotics produced in the United States don't go into humans. They that's go into right. animals. They go into the yes. veterinary world. Right. And then right. we eat the and meat, then we right? Eat the meat. And that's not for the pets. That's for the food products. Right. Yeah. And yeah. we're consuming the food products. Right. Right. So what do you do, you guys? How do you, let's say I have a brand new baby mm. and I don't, I'm hearing this 
and I'm wondering, do I go back to my pediatrician and say, listen, I heard these three guys on this podcast, I don't <laughs> want to vaccinate, or is there another way? Does the road fork here? If I'm responsible, I love that child more than anything in the world, how can I prepare, defend his body without vaccinations? You know, what's really interesting is when I started studying this, <clears throat> I started going back to the literature and finding out that this information that we're preaching now, it's, it's not stuff that we made up. It's yeah. stuff that's actually in the medical literature, but is buried deep down. So you look at this, right? So World Health Organization, right, recommends high doses of vitamin A for children with measles to reduce their risk of complication and death. Vitamin A, right? Um, and what drug is that? American Academy <laughs> of Pediatrics recommend Carrots? administering 200,000 IU of vitamin A to children older than one year of age to be given immediately upon measles diagnosis with second dose given the following day. This is a two-day treatment for measles that totally eradicates the, uh, uh, the symptoms of the measles virus with simple vitamin A. Carrot juice, but they're talking about injectable vitamin no, 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 A. No, 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 oral, oral, oral vitamin oral A. Top. Now it but, can't be beta carotene. It can't be. Okay, uh, it's okay. got to be vitamin A. To, to, now you can Not use the conversion. You, you can use beta carotene for prevention. Yep. But if they get the measles or any any the flu or any again, the way that vitamin A works is it dead bolts the cells, right? So any virus can't get in. This will work with any virus. Give them. Uh, I, I have them do 400,000. So there were two studies, right? One with 200,000, one with 400,000. I have the parents, and this is, I mean, this is children, any age, right? You, this is the two-day way to get rid of any virus. 400,000 IU of vitamin A for two days, just two days, right? Because vitamin A is a fat soluble, sure. and you can't become toxic on it. So you only want to do it for two days. And then you do vitamin D, 500,000 IU for that same two days. Another fat-soluble, but Another fat you do it for two days. Only two days. And that's all in this book called Critical Vaccine Studies. I mean, this book seems to me, you'll never see it in your doctor's office, no. but, but it would seem to me that every parent, look, when, when I had Evan, man, I defined the word love. I mean, you know, that baby's laying in your hands. You right. guys both know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you define the word love. You do, you'd lay in front of a train for that kid. And yet we walk off to a doctor right. who just has rote memory. I mean, he right. learned this in medical school. His kids don't seem to be dying at a rapid pace, and he's vaccinating all them. So why not every kid? That, we, were, we were turned down we are, in pediatricians' oh, offices mm. because we didn't vaccinate. We were hampered by the way the information is controlled. You know, the people go to PubMed, right. okay, and learn all the information. That's from Medlines, okay, the original... Well, you know, I'm from the era when you went to the books for Medlines. And in 1966, we started having the computerized one. Mm. If it was before 1966, it's lost. It's in history. It's not known. You've got to go back and dig this out. That's what you did when you were yep. putting together the cancer hypothesis. Yep. Yep. That's what this book does with the, the vaccinations. It's lost because the current crop of doctors can't find it. Three things I will guarantee you your listeners, that if they go to their pediatrician, the pediatrician will not know. They will not know the mechanism of action of vitamin A in preventing viral 
uh, uh, disease. Any viral disease. Any viral disease. They will not know what cathelicidins are, right? These things that are produced by vitamin D that are these antimicrobial peptides that are naturally produced and protect us from viruses. They won't know about the um, uh, the mechanism of hydrochloric acid, right, in preventing uh, yeast overgrowth and, and viral diseases and so forth. They will not know. But void of that information, is that pediatrician valuable to me? Because that seems to be Good the, the, prescriber. Right, the Good standard on which right. they should have learned. But right. again, this isn't taught in medical school. They're the, they're the, the pyromaniac working at the, uh, put, trying to put out fire. They're a pyromaniac, you know, Fire working as firefighters. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. And, Good analogy, by the way. And that's this, the standard of care. So right. you just better, better obey. Right. Listen, I want to end this by telling you folks, we certainly uh, give you information here. Always check with your own doctor, but please hear and heed the information that you get here too. Some of you have realized today that gosh, the road actually forks. And gosh, there's something I can get a book that if I really study this book and I'm in love with that child, um, this may make a difference. I can be intelligent. I can walk into a pediatrician's office being an intelligent consumer instead of a flaccid one who's going to listen and get shots. The book is called Critical Vaccine Studies. Dr. Roby Mitchell and Dr. John Trowbridge, bless you guys. Thank you, great information. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Cause.